You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, my beautiful brainiacs. Happy Christmas or TGIF, whichever applies for you today. I wanted to share some bonus content on a Christmas topic that never ceases to fascinate me. The World War I Christmas Truce from our friends at History.com. Like most of his fellow infantrymen of the 1st Battalion of the Royal Warwickshire Regiment, British machine gunner Bruce Bairn's father was spending the holiday shivering in the muck, trying just to stay warm. He'd spent a good part of the last few months fighting Germans from that trench. And now, in a part of Belgium called something Belgian I honestly can't pronounce, he was crouched in a trench that stretched just three feet deep by three feet wide, so a foxhole by my estimate. His days and nights marked by an endless cycle of sleeplessness and terror, stale biscuits and cigarettes too wet to light. Here I was in this horrible clay cavity, he wrote, miles and miles from home, cold, wet through and covered with mud. There didn't seem the slightest chance of leaving, except in an ambulance. At about 10 p.m., Bairn's father noticed a noise. I listened, he recalled. Away across the field, among the dark shadows, I could hear the murmur of voices. He turned to a fellow soldier in his trench and said, Do you hear the Bosch kicking up that racket over there? Yeah, came the reply. They've been at it for some time. The Germans were singing carols as it was Christmas Eve. In the darkness, some of the British soldiers began to sing back. Suddenly, Bairn's father recalled, we heard a confused shouting from the other side. We all stopped to listen. The shout came again. The voice was from an enemy soldier, speaking English with a strong German accent. He was saying, come over here. One of the British sergeants answered, You come halfway, I come halfway. What happened next would, in the years to come, stun the world. Enemy soldiers began to climb nervously out of their trenches and to meet in the barbed wire-filled area called No Man's Land that separated the two armies. Normally, the British and the Germans communicated across No Man's Land with, you know, bullets with only the occasional gentlemanly pause to allow the other side to collect their dead. But now, there were handshakes, seasonal greetings, words of kindness. The soldiers traded songs, tobacco, wine, and joined in together on a spontaneous holiday party on a freezing cold night. Bairn's father could not believe his eyes. Here they were, the actual, practical soldiers of the German army. There was not an atom of hate on either side. And it wasn't confined to that one battlefield. Starting on Christmas Eve, small pockets of French, German, Belgian, and British troops held impromptu ceasefires across the Western Front, with reports of some on the Eastern Front as well. Some accounts suggest a few of these unofficial truces remained in effect for days. For those who participated, it was surely a welcome break from the hell they'd been living in. When the war had begun just six months earlier, 
most soldiers figured it would be over quickly and they'd be home with their families in time for the holidays. Not only would the war drag on for four more years, but it would prove to be the bloodiest conflict ever up until that time. The Industrial Revolution had made it possible to mass-produce new and devastating tools for taking human life. Fleets of airplanes and guns that could fire hundreds of rounds of ammunition per minute. Both sides were also reeling from recent devastating war news, like the Russian defeat in Tannenberg and the German losses at the Battle of Marne. By the time winter approached in 1914 and the chill set in, the Western Front stretched hundreds of miles. Countless soldiers were living in misery in the trenches, while tens of thousands had already died. Then Christmas came. Descriptions of the Christmas truce appear in numerous diaries and letters of the time. One British soldier, a rifleman named Jay Redding, wrote a letter home to his wife, describing his holiday experience in 1914. My company happened to be in the firing line on Christmas Eve, and it was my turn to go into a ruined house and remain there until 6.30 on Christmas morning. During the early part of the morning, the Germans started singing and shouting, all in good English. They shouted out, Are you the Rifle Brigade? Have you a spare bottle? If so, we will come halfway, and you come the other half. Later on in the day, they came towards us, and our chaps went out to meet them. I shook hands with some of them, and they gave us cigarettes and cigars. We did not fire that day, and everything was so quiet it seemed like a dream. Another British soldier named John Ferguson recalled it this way, Here we were, laughing and chatting to men whom only a few hours before we were trying to kill. Other diaries and letters describe German soldiers using candles to light Christmas trees around their trenches. One German infantryman described how a British soldier set up a makeshift barber shop, charging the Germans a few cigarettes each for a haircut. Other accounts describe vivid scenes of men helping enemy soldiers collect their dead, of which there was plenty of work to do. One British fighter, called Ernie Williams, later described in an interview his recollection of one of the most famous parts of the Christmas truce, a pickup soccer game, on what turned out to be a very icy field. The ball appeared from somewhere, I don't know where, They made up some goals, and one fellow went in goal, and there was just a general kickabout. I should think there was about a couple of hundred taking part. German Lieutenant Kurt Zemisch of the 134th Saxons Infantry, a schoolteacher by his usual trade who spoke both German and English, also described the pickup soccer game in his diary, which was discovered in an attic near Leipzig in 1999. Eventually, the English brought a soccer ball from their trenches, and pretty soon, a lively game ensued. How marvelously wonderful! Yet, how strange it was! The English officers felt the same way about it. Thus Christmas, the celebration of love, managed to bring mortal enemies together, as friends, for a time. Gradually, news of the Christmas truce made it into the press. 
Christmas has come and gone, certainly the most extraordinary celebration of it any of us will ever experience, one soldier wrote in a letter that appeared in the Irish Times on January 15, 1915. He described a large crowd of officers and men, English and German, grouped around the dead, which they had been gathering together and laid out in rows. The Germans, this British soldier said, were quite affable. Just how many soldiers participated in these informal holiday gatherings has been the subject of some debate. There's no way to know for sure, since the ceasefires were small-scale, haphazard, and entirely unauthorized. A Time magazine story on the 100th anniversary claimed that as many as 100,000 soldiers took part. Though this seems like the feel-good story of the year, not everyone was as enthused. At least one account has survived of a Christmas truce gone, well, just, we'll say bad. The story of Private Percy Huggins, a Brit relaxing in no man's land with the enemy, when he was suddenly killed by a sniper, which triggered more bloodshed. The sergeant who took Huggins' place, hoping to avenge his death, was then himself hit by the sniper. In another account, a German scolded his fellow soldiers during the Christmas truce. Such a thing should not happen in wartime. Have you no German sense of honor left? That was a 25-year-old Adolf Hitler. Always the buzzkill. High command was also having none of these festivities. On December 7, 1914, Pope Benedict had implored leaders of the battling nations to hold an official Christmas ceasefire, asking that the guns may fall silent at least upon the night the angels sang. This plea was officially ignored. So when a truce spontaneously broke out, the leaders of all the armies were reportedly horrified. British General Sir Horace Smith Dorian wrote in a confidential memorandum that this is only illustrative of the apathetic state we are gradually sinking into. Some accounts of the Christmas truce hold that soldiers were punished for fraternization and top command issued orders that it should never happen again. For the rest of World War I, a conflict that would ultimately claim 15 million-plus lives, no further Christmas truces appear to have occurred. But in 1914, these curious holiday get-togethers reminded all those involved that the wars were fought not by great political forces, but by human beings. For years after, the truce was fodder for everything from artwork to made-for-TV movies to advertisements to popular songs. It's even referenced in Blackadder Goes Forth. Yeah, watch Blackadder, they said. It'll be funny, they said. Today, a memorial stands in England's National Memorial Arboretum, commemorating the Christmas truce. On the 100th anniversary in 2014, the English and German national soccer teams staged a friendly match in England in remembrance of the soldiers' impromptu games in 1914. England won 1-0, for those who care to know. What stands out most today, however, are the memories of the soldiers themselves, preserved in their own pen. One rifleman of Britain's 3rd Rifle Brigade 
recounted a German soldier saying, Today we have peace. Tomorrow you fight for your country. I fight for mine. Good luck. As for Bruce Barron's father, who we heard from in the beginning, he summed up the distinctive historic moment this way. Looking back on it all, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. And yeah, I'm getting a little verklempt. I always get kind of misty when I talk about the Christmas truce or, or read about it or hear about it. Because I'd like to think that that's who we really are. Thank you so much to everyone for continuing to support the show, even if things have been kind of dodgy and unplanned and up in the air and a bit chaotic for me the past few months. I hope everyone has a splendid holiday or a really nice relaxing weekend with all the stores being closed. Either way, I hope you're happy and well. Keep your sunny side up. 